welcome back to this episode of the Hygiene Profit Leaders Podcast, part two on communication, specifically handoffs. So my name is Brittany Smith. I'm going to be your host for today, and I am with... Hi, Brittany. I am Vicki Collier. Good to be back. I always love doing any kind of podcast with Vicki because not only is she just so intelligent and fantastic... But she's not bad to listen to either. Oh, Brittany, thank you. <laughs> I, this is this is all you get. I may give one syllable word, eight syllables, but you know I can. I'll, I'll try to put a spin on it. <laughs> so, in a previous broadcast, we talked about how to increase and communicate culture within your practice and within your team. So, let's move on to another topic. This time, communication with your patients. So, particularly with handoffs to the doctor and others within your office. So, Vicky, you know what is a handoff? That is a good question, Brittany. I'm glad you asked because if you've been with our company for a long, long time or even five minutes, you have probably heard us talk about a handoff. And so a handoff is that passing of information from one person to another. So in this case, you know, this is obviously the clinician would be passing off their findings to the patient. And then the clinician would pass off their findings to the doctor and and the patient hears that one more time, and then they'll hear you reiterate it to someone else. But anyway, that, that passing of information from person to person to person so that, one, you all look like you're on the same page, and two, that patient continues to hear the same message, a very consistent message. Do you usually find that when you go into offices? Yeah, that's funny. Uh, we do a lot of observation in offices, and and as well-intentioned as many of our offices are, I feel like that's one thing that gets dropped pretty easily. I, I don't know if it's just the day-to-day uh, busyness of, of, uh, that allows that to happen or we get distracted, but, but I think it is very a crucial element of that appointment with that patient. And if it gets dropped, you're, you're not going to see the treatment acceptance that you're really looking for, I think. So no, to answer your question, it's not as good as it should be in most offices. And I would agree. And um, typically what I end up seeing is that they have a handoff. Maybe it's not perfect. They have some type of handoff of information, but it's not done in front of the patient. Right. So it might be done in the in sterilization, in the doctor's office, wherever, you know, they'll go and they'll find the doctor, they'll download this information and then they all go back into the room and it's like the conversation never happened to the patient at least. <laughs> I equate this to how many times have you gone into the doctor's office, they put you in a room, you tell the nurse why you're there, they sit you on a table and you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait. And 30 minutes later, the doctor walks in and looks at you like, why are you here? And so you don't know, I thought, did she not, I gave her a whole spiel 30 minutes ago. Did she not share that with you? Or so I don't know if I need to try to repeat myself. I don't know if I'm wasting his time by telling him again. So this just clarifies that. This, this allows that patient to know that they have been heard, that they, that they don't have to repeat themselves, that, that, and then that they continue getting a, a consistent message from everyone in, around. I'm like you. I, I have done. I'm guilty of that sometimes. I would walk out and give the doctor a spiel and then walk in, and he would come in and stare at the patient. And, and I'm sure they felt the same way. So that handoff is so integral to making that patient feel like they had been well taken care of and well heard. And, and the reason why I think that that happens is because you don't know what you don't know. And unless you understand why it's so important to stay in front of the patient, you just don't get that. Um, one of the offices that I worked in, 
I'll never forget. I went to the doctor in his office to tell him what I had found and what I discussed with the patient. And I started talking and he stopped me and he looked at me and he said, why are you saying this just to me? Why can't you say this in front of the patient? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I, I guess I can, but I figured I would fill you in before we went in there. And he was like, but why? And it wasn't until somebody stopped me and this was, you know, I'd worked with multiple doctors at other practices. And so it was like, wait, what? Nobody's ever, ever stopped that. This is how doctors usually wanted that information. I just didn't understand. But Brittany, that is so interesting that you bring that up because I will have offices and teams that I'm working with just sort of push back on that and say, but I've told him everything he's the doctor or her, him or the doctor, everything that they need to know. And then they come back in and we, we talk about it again. I thought, why, why, why are you wasting the time that you could be creating value for the patient by whispering to a doctor in the hallway? So think about that. You know, now there were a few times I had to go give a warning perhaps to my doctor of things that I didn't want to say in front of the patient. That was few and far between. But but don't waste your time now spending, because we talk about time being money. If you're wasting two or three or four minutes doing that, you could have been offering a service that patient needed or using it as a better use of your time. So so you're exactly right. We think we're doing the right thing, Brittany. We think it, the intentions are good, but uh, until you can find a better way, you don't know. And it, it was funny because it wasn't until he explained it to me that I understood. And he had one rule. The only time that there was an exception is if something we were going to say might catch him off guard and he may like laugh or something inappropriately. That's <laughs> when it was okay. Any other time, there was no reason why we couldn't say it in front of the patient, even if it was letting him know, you know, Mrs. Smith's husband passed away recently, so she's having a hard time, but we're going to help her, you know, take care of this too that's bothering her, so it's one less thing. Like, something where we say it in front of him so that he's aware, so that he doesn't say, hey, Miss Smith, how's your husband doing, right? Well, that's a good example because sometimes I would remind my husband, oh, not my husband, not, <laughs> I would remind my doctor, he was my work husband, I would remind my doctor that, um, that, okay, don't ask Miss Jones how Bob is doing. You sent him a card, you sent her a sympathy card last week or whatever, you know. So, so because there are times that I would have to, to make sure that he was on track with that too. But you're exactly right. There are things that you'd want him to know. But with regard to that handoff of that clinical information, which I know we'll get into some more specifics about, you know, that can all be done in the room and very concisely. Brittany, I, a lot of people don't know this, but this is something that I learned a long time ago from Scheduling Institute. It's called the Rule of Seven. And, and, and it says that people have to hear something seven times before they take action. So I did a little research on that and said, is this a real thing? Let me look at this up. And so apparently this is an old marketing adage that states that someone needs to hear your message at least seven times before they take action. The truth behind it is that you can't tell someone once and then it be done. For any of you parents out there, you should probably understand that. Um, or a spouse. Yeah, right there with you. If you have a marketer in your practice, this will be good for them to know um, because this is, like I said, it's an old marketing adage, but it's very applicable to your patients because hearing what they need in a consistent manner and several times will prompt them to take action. So you might not get seven times in this handoff, but you, you might get three or four or five perhaps. And again, it just conveys that they're, they're getting a consistent message and they know that you're the place they want to be or should be. Exactly. I totally agree with that. I had never heard of you know, the rule of seven before having a scheduling suit either, you know, I'd always maybe heard different places like, you know, you have to hear something more than once to really understand it. But you're right. It's, it's not even just them hearing it so many times so that they understand it. It's that consistency 
purpose of it as well, that we're all on the same page. Everybody knows what's going on. You know, we, we have great communication so you can trust us. So it builds trust with that as well. And so I, I feel like that's really important for a lot of different reasons that the handoffs, while it is the purpose is to relay information from, you know, me to the doctor or from the doctor to me or, you know, to treatment coordinator, whoever, but it's also for the patient, right? We're relaying that information, but they need to hear that information so that they hear it those seven times so that when they get to the front desk and it's time to schedule for that crown, they're not going, you know what? He only mentioned that like for a second. I don't think it's important. Let's not do that. It's like if everybody's brought up that crown, they're asking, when can I get in for this crown? That is exactly the point. I mean, I was going to ask our listeners, how many times have you thought that you gave an eloquent treatment presentation and you ask the treatment coordinator, at the, well, when is she on the book? When is she scheduled? Oh, she said she didn't. She needed to talk it over with someone. Confused people don't buy. If there's any confusion, if there's any misunderstanding, if there's any, you know, maybe lack of enough information, you know, that's why they don't schedule. So in doing this, if you have this, and I, I've typically called a, a, a handoff a well-choreographed dance, you know, you have to know what your, when it's your time to dance and the doctor needs to know when it's their time. The treatment coordinator knows when it's theirs, but you will have this down pat so that now this patient's perception of this plan that you have for them, there are no questions about it because, because they, they know that you guys all have your, your ducks in a row for lack of a better term. <laughs> and you're right. You know, we have to have those down pats for them to be successful. If we're just yelling information in like a drive by or not giving any at all, you know, there's so many benefits to, to having a great handoff. And, you know, I know you mentioned earlier time is money. So when we don't have those handoffs, the doctor, especially when they don't get a great handoff when they walk into a room, they don't want to feel awkward. So they start almost grasping for straws of like, okay, what kind of conversations can I start? And then that's when they're taking too long. And that's when those exams are running over and we're stressing out because it's running behind. But really, if we had downloaded that information to the doctor in a concise manner, they would have had to have done any of that. And it would have been in and out, confirming, we're all on the same page. Great, let's go. Right. All right. Well, many of you listening may ask, how do we do a handoff? Is there, it, there has to be a plan. Like I said, it's a, it's a dance. So you've got to know when your part of the dance is to, to come in. So I would say even first, create a checklist of what information will be covered in the handoff. Include what the patient said, what was discovered during the hygiene appointment or time with the assistant, and any recommendations that you made. Now, granted, you're not going to hold this piece of paper in front of you and, and go down it line by line by line in a very robotic manner. But this checklist is sort of, it should be created among your team and then role played. And it should be an internal checklist at that point that you make sure these things are being handed off. Um, I never, I always like a good checklist that you can actually check something off, but I don't necessarily want this scripting to be something that you've checked off and the patient can see. Um, the doctor should allow time to make sure this is done before jumping in. You know, that's a tough thing that in, in many of our trainings, we have, that if there's any silence, they want to fill the silence, that awkward silence by jumping in before it's their turn. So that's why the first person needs to be ready. They need to have their plan in place. They need to be in the operatory or in the treatment room when the doctor arrives so that this can happen. Because if you're not, they're going to go off on their own unsupervised. And we don't necessarily want that. <laughs> 
you know, that can be a disaster sometimes. Do you think that it would be helpful if like, even if the doctors just had a little bit of verbiage of like, if they get in there and somebody doesn't immediately deliver the handoff and they're trying to fill that space, you know, what is something good that they could say to almost alert the assistant or the hygienist like, hey, give me my handoff? <laughs> sure. The doctor should always know that the personal part of that conversation should come first. And after chatting with the patient for a, a moment or two, we call it the four minute rule. Sometimes it's four minutes. Sometimes it's maybe a little less time. But then the doctor may turn to the clinician and say, tell me about your findings today or give me your findings today. Or, and that's what I've heard some offices do. Have you, have you heard some other things as well? I've heard a lot, a lot that's similar. Um, even being able to say, you know, I know Vicki has spent some time with you. So, you know, Vicki, let me, tell me what you found. Tell me what, you know, some kind of handoff back to them to say like, all right, tell me, like, I know that you've gotten this information. So now give it to me. And I find that that was um, when I was learning how to do handoffs in the offices that I worked in before I was properly trained on them. That was something that having some type of routine of like knowing part of that choreographed dance that like I would call for the doctor and then I needed to position myself to where I saw him walking in the room so that I could catch him as he walks in and be able to make the introduction and, and to take control of that conversation because I knew without a doubt if I let him take one foot into that treatment room he's going to take control of the conversation and he's going to start his conversation and never going to find a place to jump in. So it was almost like a routine that I had part of my internal checklist to know, to be prepared, to be in the room when I'm ready for him and to be in a position where I see him walk in the room and where we can have that, you know, triangle conversation where we're all on a level field, having part of that and making it integrated into your process I think is what makes it so successful because he knew what I was going to do when he walked in and there was no guessing of who's going to make the first move. Right. And going back, Brittany, to you said, what do you do if? So yes, that should be what you do if. The doctor should ask, tell me more about your findings, whatever. But that should be the few and far between answer. If you have gotten this down pat and you have practiced it, practiced it, practiced it, that should not happen very often. Now, granted, like I said, I know sometimes we get caught off guard or there may be some other distraction that occurs, but the more consistent you are with this, um, the more it is going to have the patient trust you. They're going to see that you guys are working together. It, it, obviously, this also involves the tone of your voice and the look on your face. But patients who trust us accept treatment and tell their family and friends which is what we obviously want to see happen. So it's kind of funny to think that you can grow your practice by giving proper handoffs, um, but I, I believe that you can. This is one of those things of multiple things that you would do, but making sure that you master this. You know, this is making sure that you that each person who is going to be in line for this handoff knows their part because it's not just going to be the clinician, say the hygienist and the doctor. You're also going to hand off to a treatment coordinator, perhaps, or a financial coordinator, whoever is next, and they need to hear that same message. So practicing this, giving cues. Um, I would even say that if your handoffs fall by the wayside, which you and I sort of started this conversation. Uh, you asked me if I had saw this consistently good. And no, I don't see it consistently good. But once you you work on it and you practice it, then address it when you don't get a good handoff. It can't be, ah, she gave me a terrible handoff. I hope she does better next time. You know, pull that person aside. Say, okay, I know we're really working on making sure our handoffs are good. 
I didn't get the information that I needed. I had to come back and ask for blah, 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 or I didn't know this or whatever. And, and if the, if you ever get those questions back from anyone, or if your doctor has to ask questions that weren't in the, the script per se, that means you probably didn't do your job to make sure that handoff was done as well as it could have been. I think of a really Mm, a really bad example of this that I saw just a few weeks ago, not going to name any names, but had they done a better preparation before the doctor came, came into the room, had they handed off that information to the doctor, I believe they could have easily saved mm, maybe 10, 15 minutes in that appointment, which, you know, we break that down sometimes by minutes. Some, some doctors, you know, some hygienists are producing a certain, you know, whatever that dollar amount per minute is. They would, that patient left confused and wanting to think about it and talk it over with their spouse. And that's always an indication that they missed something somewhere. You know, we didn't do our job on our end somewhere if you have a patient who wants to talk it over with their spouse. And that's, we have lots of trainings that will elaborate on each one of the, on that topic for sure. But, but I want you to think about the handoff as not just being something that you do. But if you do it well, it's going to save you time. It's going to save you money. It's going to gain the patient's trust. It's going to create value. It's going to have them feel good about accepting treatment. Um, it's going to have them feel good about referring their family and friends. So think about that. If you, if you drop the ball on this, it can be detrimental, I think. I absolutely agree. So, you know, you mentioned accountability. You know, accountability is key. Like we have to be able, like, if you don't get a solid handoff and I usually this will, you know, play more into the front desk, but for any of the clinicians to be aware, I tell them if you don't get a solid handoff and they don't give you that information, they just kind of drop the patient off and go call them back up, make them come back up. And when you have to do that and it takes time out of your day, you're going to stop nice. not giving a handoff and you're going to correct that behavior because you don't want to have to keep going back and forth. That's me. Yeah. If you, if you have to correct me enough, you know, once is going to be bad enough twice, I'm going to change my behavior just because I don't want you to have to do that later. So that's a good point. You know, cor correct each other in a very professional manner, not in front of patients typically, but you're right. You could easily do this. Okay. I um, need you to come back up for just a minute. You know, and if I were the, the hygienist trying to get back to my room, I would say, okay, I need to do this right the first time and uh, and then keep rolling yeah exactly and you make a good point you know obviously we're not going to be like you know what she did not give me a good handoff i am calling sally up right now sally give me a handoff right like no we're going to be like you know what let me get sally up here just to make sure that i take care of you the best way possible and so we're all on the same page call sally back up there say hey sally i wanted to make sure that miss smith was taken care of you know what did we do today what did we need her to come back for when did we need her to come back for it like just ask those questions. And then that tells Sally, oh, shoot, I should have given this information. I need to make sure I do that next time because I should be cleaning my room right now. Right. So there's a do it a professional way. We're not going to be snarky with each other. We're, we're all learning and we're all trying to reach a common goal. So, you know, give your give your coworkers some grace, but make sure that you don't just say, oh, well, I'll figure it out on my own. Like you got to hold each other accountable for anybody to grow. Yeah. So I think to sum this up is to have a handoff, plan your handoff you know, work that out. What does that look What information does your team, your doctor and your other team members need so that you make sure you cover the bases there. Then make sure that it is happening. 
practice it, role play it, you know, it, it, try it on the patient that loves you and you know is not going to be offended. You know, you're not going to tell them you're trying it on them. But that <laughs> way you can see if things didn't go well, you can try it and make it better on the next patient. It, it, this is about progress, not perfection. But I do believe that if you do this enough, it is going to be the same as, say, driving your car to your office or to the store or answering the phones in the, in the proper way that the front desk team now knows to use the five-star certification process to answer the phones. You might think that it may be impossible to start with, but if you do this over and over and over again, it is going to be something that you can't not do. Does that make that was a double negative? But, uh, but you know, this is part of what you do. You know, next is, is kind of evaluate that. Maybe track it and see how how you feel about it. How is it saving you time? And are you seeing that patients are leaving in a more comfortable way, perhaps, or that they're accepting treatment or not having as many questions? Um, those are the things that I would do to, to make sure that you are doing a proper handoff is to plan it, practice it, do it, and, and make it part of your part of what you do. Yeah, that's great, Vicki. That's a great point. So I think they, they know what to do now. <laughs> and so they can go and work on those uh, handoffs because we know what the benefits are from it. So I loved having you on this podcast because you really are such an expert in this area. So I know that that held enormous value for everybody out there listening. So we will see you next time on the show. I'm sure, Vicki, you do a lot of great podcasts.